Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Jenny Allen. Jenny is an author, a podcaster, and the founder and visionary behind If Gathering, an organization that equips women with gospel-centered resources, events, and community so that they can learn more about who God is and disciple others. Side note, if you guys haven't heard of If Gathering, seriously, go check them out. They are amazing. So not only do I love the work that Jenny does with If Gathering, she also just came out with a new book called Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Spiral of Toxic Thoughts. Now guys, if you're anything like me, you spend a lot of time in your head. Especially right before bed or in the middle of the night, I can find myself swirling in what-ifs and worst-case scenarios. I can find myself getting lost in negative thoughts about myself, my relationships, and the world around me. And you guys know this, once you get started, it's really hard to stop. Our minds can feel like a runaway train of worry and negativity. And especially in the midst of this pandemic, we have more to worry about than ever before. And that's why I'm so grateful that Jenny wrote this book. In this episode, she's going to talk to us about our thoughts, how our thoughts work, how we can influence them, why we get stuck in toxic thought patterns, and how to get ourselves out. I think every single one of us is saying yes and amen to that. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. But before we dive in, there's something I wanted to tell you about. So you guys may know this, but in just a few months, I'm going to be releasing a brand new prayer journal designed to help us all pray and feel more peace about the future. Now, I have to say, I am so sad that the journal isn't finished right now, because with what's happening in our world today, I cannot think of a resource we need more, right? But since it's not quite finished, I wanted to share something with you that is. I spent several days last week combing through my book, The Lipstick Gospel Devotional. I did that because in it, I write about some of the scariest seasons of uncertainty I've ever faced in my life and how God showed up in the midst of them. These are the times when I learned the most about God's character, His provision, His presence, and His love for me. And it's those truths about God that are carrying me through the uncertainty we're all facing today. And so that's why I just knew I had to share them with y'all. I put together 10 of my favorite devotions from the Lipstick Gospel Devotional and made them into a little free ebook devotional that I'm calling Into the Unknown, a 10-day devotional for seasons of uncertainty. Anyone else have that Frozen 2 song stuck in their heads? The 10 devos you'll find in this ebook really are some of my very favorites from the Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and I'm praying that these reminders about God help you as much as I know that they're helping me right now. This devotional is for the woman who has just lost her job or who is facing some sort of job uncertainty. It's for the woman who's feeling like the rug was just ripped out from under her, the woman who feels like her plans for her future have totally fallen apart. It's for the woman who's feeling scared and confused and anxious about our world today, and it's for the woman who just needs an extra reminder that God is good and that we can trust Him. If you want to pick up a copy, the ebook is in my shop. You can find it by going to smaywilsonshop.com, and that link will also be in our show notes. Like I said, it's a free download, and so feel free to pass it on to any friends who you know could use it. I think we all could in times like these. All right, friends, with that said, let's jump into the episode. Here's my conversation with Jenny. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here um, with my new friend, Jenny Allen, who uh, I'm sure all of y'all have heard of in some way or shape or form, but I'm so excited for our topic today. And Jenny, thanks for being here. 
It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do? And I'd love to hear a fun fact about you. Okay. So my name is Jenny Allen. I have four kids and a husband who are all quarantined with me currently. So podcasting has become a new challenge. Um, so we may hear from somebody usually in the midst of this. So my my oldest is a sophomore at Texas A&M and my youngest is 11. And so we're about to hit homeschooling for the first time this week with coronavirus. So um, we'll see how, how that plays out um, <laughs> this week. And yeah, fun fact. Oh, and I, what I do, I'm the founder and, and visionary for an organization called If Gathering as well as the writer and Bible teacher. So that's kind of my day job. That's what I love to do and feel called to do is to give God away in every possible way. So what a fun fact about us right now is that when we moved into our house, we moved to Dallas a couple years ago, we bought a really old house, like a 90-year-old house, and it doesn't have a master bathroom. And so there was really nowhere to put a master bathroom, which is why it's not really done yet. And so my husband was like, I have an idea. We will get a hot tub <laughs> that you can basically replace your bath with, of course, with oh. bathing suits. So um, my gosh. We, got, we got a used hot tub off of Facebook Marketplace. We didn't get like a fancy new hot tub. We got a used which it sounds like I should have a disease right now. Um, <laughs> kind of. It kind of does. <laughs> but I will say it is the best thing about life right now. Like we get in that hot tub, all of us. My teenagers cannot take their phones. So we actually like connect and have the best time catching up. And we did it last night. Like, you know, it was awesome. We had the best talk because there's no, there's no technology. It's just us like out there talking and it's huge. And so we just sit in our backyard in our used hot tub in Dallas, Texas. But I will say it is totally fun and we love it. Okay. So tell, so this is sort of replacing a bathtub. So do you have like chlorine in it? Like, so are you guys all like oh, yeah. smelling so beachy no, and I mean, stuff? We're, no, no, no. I have a shower. Like we, we have, we have bathrooms in our house. Um, I just, we didn't have a bathtub. So Got it. yeah, okay. no, we okay. just use Chloe. I mean, it's totally normal hot tub. We just, yeah, it's just our janky like way to make up for what we could not add on to this house. Okay. That with. totally makes it. That's so, so fun. That's so fun. Growing up, my, my parents have a hot tub in the backyard. And I mean, I feel like so many of my high school memories are like happen in that hot tub, especially I, so I grew up in Colorado and it would snow, you know, a lot there. And so we would, my friends and I would always like jump out of the hot tub, roll in the snow, like see how long we could lay there and then jump back in the hot tub. And it's like the best thing when you're a kid or a teenager or an adult, it's just the best thing. I know. Well, we've loved it. And I do feel like, yeah, it is. It has worked out for the good for sure. I love that. I love that. So when you mentioned uh, people popping in during podcasting, I, that reminded me, I need to give a little disclaimer. So um, right next door to our house, they have been building a new house. Um, and so there's been construction. Like I've lived in a construction zone for the last probably six months. And I've managed to not have that interrupt podcasting. Like I've, I've recorded elsewhere or I've just gotten really lucky with the times that I've been 
like recording, you know, maybe it's a day where everyone's off, but today is not one of those days. So if you guys hear (laughs) some pounding or some drilling, that's what's happening. And I'm really sorry about it. (laughs) I'm so sorry about it. Hey, we're all making compromises for seriously quarantine. I know, I know. This is such uncharted territory. Well, Jenny, I'm really, really glad, you know, mentioning quarantine. I, I know that women listen to our girls night episodes in all different times of the year and like go back to the beginning and listen to all them all the way through. And so for just some context right now, we are in the middle of a global pandemic with COVID-19, the, the new coronavirus. And as of right now, we're all basically shut in our houses, trying not to leave. Um, and we have no idea really what's coming. And so it's crazy because those of you who are listening to this, even like days or weeks or months or even years down the road, you guys know how this turned out. And as we're sitting here today, we don't know what's coming next. And so that's just sort of some, some context for this conversation because I feel like we can't not talk about it. It's so in our, I mean, it's totally changed our lives. But Jenny, I felt like this was the perfect time to have this conversation because you just wrote a book called Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Toxic or Stopping the Spiral of Toxic Thoughts. And I feel like when things are going wrong in our country or in our town or in our world, which is usually the case, there's usually some sort of hard news that's happening in really any time in our lives. I feel like I I know for me, that's when my toxic thoughts and my fear just spirals out of control. And so and I know, know that a lot of us are really dealing with that right now. So I'm just really excited to pick your brain about this and get any encouragement we can get from you of how to like slow some of the fear and yeah, well, junk in our heads, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly rampant right now. There's no doubt. There's nobody on earth uh, that is not a little bit scared about something, whether it's health or finances or jobs or unknowns about the future. I think all of us are facing a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so talking about your book, I love the title. I'm holding it here in my lap right now. The cover is so just awesome. Just really fun, but really powerful for a subject that I feel like needs to be really powerful. We need it to be. And I know that every time I've written a book, I've had to really live out the thing first before I can write about it. And so every time I see a book by an author, I almost like, I want to give them a hug because I'm like, oh, like (laughs) we don't get to write these books without walking through these things first. And so I would love to just hear like some backstory on how you lived out this book and what made you want to write it. Yeah, you are exactly right. I wish it were easier. I have one time headed into a book that I thought, oh, this will be a fun book. And uh, right when I started that one, it was Restless. It was going to be on gifts and like how we use all that to help the world and the people we love. And and it, it, one of my best friends had a massive stroke, like right as I like started the first chapter. And I was like, okay, God had a different plan for that book because it, I was walking through such a dark season. And, and I think that's how it should go, right. Is, is we should go to war first. And, and, and so you, you nailed it. I I think for me, this, this project began with my daughter, actually, who she is a neuro researcher, like, you know, as a high school student, middle school student, she began to take such an interest in the brain and, so she was sending me TED talks. We were watching stuff together. Um, we were listening to podcasts. Like she kind of got me into it at first. 
And as I mentioned, my friend that had a stroke, I also was talking to a lot of neurologists in the medical field, specifically in, in Texas. And so I was in a lot of meetings, doctor's meetings with my friend that was trying to learn to walk and talk and all of this as well. So I was learning, I was very curious about the brain because of those two things. So that would have probably, you know, put it on my radar, but what put it on my heart as far as a conviction to write a book was I walked through a season of doubt. It would happen in the middle of the night. I often wake up in the middle of the night, but it was pretty consistent every, every night at three o'clock in the morning. And I would start to worry. And that's pretty typical that I would, you know, go through things in my head that I need to get done or, or things I'm worried about, but it really turned into kind of some, some doubt about my faith. And that even turned to, you know, fear of death and pretty big fears, which now (laughs) are incredibly relevant. I I thought at the time, I was like, I don't think this book is going to sell much because it's, it's intense. You know, I mean, my battle with that was, and I have to give a disclaimer before I go into it. Like this is, this is going to get dark. The positive of that is I've been to the depths of our fears as humans and, and done work and were there, but it's unbelievable, um, how timely it has been and how, how needed the book has been for people, because I think we're all facing things that on a typical day, you know, a few years ago, we didn't really think about, about our futures and what we really need to be happy and, and what it looks like to, you know, to, to fight for each other to live. I mean, we're sitting here making decisions so that people don't die, you know? And so I think there's just a new weight to all of us that we didn't have even two weeks ago. So I do think that all of us ask these big questions, even if we don't get honest about it very often, but that's really where it began for me was, and that, that season of waking up in the night and kind of being, uh, going through that season of, of, doubt and specifically with my faith, but then also that leading to a lot of fear and anxiety. So I would say all of that lasted about 18 months. Oh, that is a long 18 months. It was a long 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. And I think where I messed up was I never brought people into it. So the book really was on the other side of it when I had seen so much freedom and really a ridiculous amount of time spent locked in fear and anxiety that didn't be spent there. Now I'm real clear in the book and I'll be real clear right now that I'm not talking about mental illness as something you can just choose to not, you know, be in. Um, we, there, there's a physical component to our lives that that's very real and that's tied to our emotional and our relational and our spiritual component as well. Like all of, we're pretty integrated beings. And so, you know, I do think that physical component I'm not speaking to that person that they can just snap their fingers and get out of that. But I do believe we have more power over our minds than we've, than we've acted like we do. I believe in medicine and counseling when, when it's needed, but I also believe in just, you know, really taking our thoughts captive and not letting, you know, not being a victim to our minds and to what we think about. And most people I talk to about this have been surprised that they have so much control and power over their minds that they haven't ever really thought about that before. Mm, I love that. And I'm grateful that you said that. I'm one of the people who really uh, struggles with anxiety. It's just part of my chemical makeup. And it's something that I am like medicated for. And I'm super grateful for that because I, I feel like it's 
it helps me to be more on like an even playing field. There were times when I didn't really recognize that I struggled with anxiety and I wasn't um, in counseling for it and I wasn't medicated for it where I just felt like, like if someone were to tell me, take take your thoughts captive. Like you have more control over this. I really didn't, um, for a time. And I'm so grateful to be able to recognize the physical component in my life so that I can take, like address that more because with that side of it more, um, not like taking care of, it's not like a one-time thing, but just the fact that I'm addressing that on one side, I'm able to really take something like paying attention to my thoughts and being intentional with them and choosing them and and taking back the power from them. I'm able to do that now. Whereas, you know, two years ago, I, I just, I was so in it. I wouldn't have been able to. Well, and that is so powerful for everybody listening, because I think as leaders, sometimes we don't, we aren't honest about that as much. And yet I would say so many people are struggling. And so I think part of the power of what you just did and what I'm sure you do regularly is just talking about it. And like, this is what I struggle with because I think in my life and in my husband's life who just shared on my podcast about a deep, dark season of depression where he needed medicine and counseling and, you know, all of it. I mean, we just, it was a full on kind of attack of, of that. And, and I would say when we shared that, it was, it was so clear that people were just kind of hungry and like thirsty to, to hear pastors and leaders, because my husband was a pastor at the time, say that they struggle with this. I think I think there can be such a, you know, I don't know. I just think a generation ago, it wasn't talked about at all. And, and therefore nobody sought help. And now we're better about that, but it still just takes being honest about it and talking about what you've gone through. That was the beginning of healing for me in that season. And I've walked through different seasons of anxiety and different, you know, seasons of other struggles. But in that specific season for me, it was saying it out loud and, and beginning to, you know, start the process of healing. But while I was alone in the dark, it wasn't going to ever get out of that. That was something where I was paralyzed and, you know, it was, it was dark. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, I I don't think that I recognized, I think I was afraid to recognize how much I was struggling because it felt like it brought all these other things with it. Like I was, I was alone. There was something wrong with me. I like, if I struggled with this, then that meant a million things for my life. It was sort of like this domino effect that if I let that tip over, then everything would tip over with it. Um, and it wasn't until I was able to um, I actually got to hear from a couple women who were like, this is something I struggle with. Like on like today, this is something that I battle. Um, and it just was so good for me to get to hear that I wasn't alone and I wasn't crazy and that this wasn't like a death sentence for me. This didn't mean that the rest of my life was going to be, it, it just didn't mean that it was going to take the rest of my life down with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And I think you know, it's hard to give things names because it feels like you're, I don't know, making something too dramatic. I remember the first time I, I said it out loud, I felt scared to say it because at that point it had gotten pretty dark where I was like, I don't even know what I believe. But in saying it out loud, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I, I got help. I got friends praying and fasting for me. I got, you know, like I, all of a sudden in saying it out loud, it was, I had deeper community and that's what God you know, wants for us is he doesn't want us to live in these isolated, 
places where we're struggling all alone. Like we really were built to live together and to do life together and to struggle together and to help each other through it. That's, that's how we were built. And I would say most generations, um, and I mean this on earth, not necessarily like our parents. I I just mean in past times, they've lived more communally. Like there's been more of a, um, life on life living than we have. And so I think we've got to be more intentional to like, say what we're struggling with to build environments and places. I mean, even now as we're isolated, like I had my small group the other day on zoom and, you know, we all shared our guts out on, on digital technology. And maybe that's kind of the season you're in, even if it's just because of small kids and, and, you know, coronavirus is over, but, but it still is that, that connection of really deep intentional life where we get below uh, the surface. Yep. I love that. Well, so I feel like we probably don't need a ton of examples of this because I know for me, I'm like, I have a thousand, you know, that just came to mind as I'm thinking about this, but just in case, can you give us some examples of toxic thoughts? And also I think that for some of us, and I know for me, we struggle sometimes knowing whether the, whether this thought is a toxic thought we should be fighting or if this is true or if this is something real that we need to be addressing or working through or sure yeah does that make sense yeah so let's let's talk about a process here because i think that's the most practical like one thing that i think is so helpful about the book is is it's got handles because when you're spinning <laughs> And, and spiraling with toxic thoughts, you need somebody to kind of grab you by the shoulders and be like, and now do this, you know, and now yes. you're going to, you know, so, so I think all of us, especially if you're listening, um, in real time, you know, right now in the middle of coronavirus, like, let me be the mama bear that kind of grabs you by the shoulders and says, okay, here, those of you that, that feel anxiety because of what's happening, the, let me, let me kind of just walk through, but this process should be able to apply whatever's happening in your life. So, so first toxic thoughts. I mean, let's just, I I really love, um, psychiatry 101. My friend, uh, showed me that, that in psychiatry 101 class, you learn that most humans believe one of three lies. So rather than feeling like there's 8,000 million toxic thoughts, let's just go to the book and psychiatry 101 says, Nope, there's just three. And I couldn't believe her because I was like, wait, I think a million lies on any given day. And she was like, Nope, there's just three. And so we actually played some of mine out and she's pretty right. So (laughs) here's the three lies that you believe. Now I'll I'll apply this in a minute, but, but just so everybody kind of has a starting place. I am helpless. I am unworthy. I am unlovable. Mm. Yep. Okay. So those are the three lies now. So let's take coronavirus. So right now, when I turn, I'll just take myself when I turn on the news, which I don't do a ton because I've got four kids at home and I've got a full-time job and I'm juggling a lot of meal prep. <laughs> I feel like that's what I do every day. Um, but, but let's just, I, I will turn on the news at some point every day. And when I do that to check in, it's always eight trillion times worse <laughs> than what I remember it being, you know? So I'm like, Oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Every system in our lives has shut down every store, restaurant, like, Oh, the sky is falling. So immediately, even just five minutes into watching the news, I, my chest gets tight and I start spinning and spiraling. Now I need to watch a little news. So I'll usually like grin and bear it for about 30 minutes just to get my head around what's happening and not live in the dark. Yeah. 
and then I get off and then I have to make a choice about how I'm going to process what I just heard. And so the first thing that I'm going to encourage every one of you to do, whatever your fear is, and some of you, it isn't the news. Some of you, it's, it's your job. It is, you just, you know, you don't know you're, you're days away or weeks away from your company folding. You are, you know, your husband comes home and says, Hey, I don't know if, I'm going to have a job in a week. Um, there are so many real problems right now. Some of you with sick parents, um, you know, we, we, we can't really even name all of the problems that had just come upon us in the last week and a half or two weeks with coronavirus. So let's just take whatever problem it is and what triggers that anxious feeling for you. And what I want you to do daily is to get a journal and just start to write down your thoughts, start to notice what it is that you're worried about. And I want you to notice everything. I don't want you just to write the big, bad thoughts about losing your job. I want you to write how you're worried about your child and how the, you know how they're processing all of this. Like I just want you to write every little thought and big thought because you don't even notice until you write it down. It's been so amazing to watch people do this. Nobody even knows what they're thinking about until they do this. And all of a sudden, you're gonna start to see a theme. And that theme usually is like what I'm really worried about is that I'm losing all my security. Like, and so now let's go back to the lies. So what you're really feeling is that you feel helpless, you know? Yes. <laughs> now yes. I'm going to, I'm going to really throw a wrench in everything because we are, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say psychiatry 101 says that these are lies. Well, there's a little bit of truth to all of it, right? Like on a given day without a shower yelling at my kids, I am not that lovable. Like, I just <laughs> So like, let's just like all of them are just a little bit true, you know? And I think if they didn't have a little bit of truth, they wouldn't be so powerful. So what, what I do is, so I go to the science and, and what, what the science says and what the, um, the self-help books, I did all the work with Tony Roth, like all the self-help, all the stuff. And it was awesome. I learned so much and, and a lot of it is helpful. It really is. But after you start to notice, I have all these thoughts and I'm believing these lies, then you got to know what to, how to put truth on it, right? You can't just spiral and say, oh, I'm lovable and like will yourself. Cause I think that's what a lot of the self-help books did was it was kind of like, I am awesome. I am great. Like I'm going to just decide, but that never settled well with me. Cause I was like, you know, I'm really not that great. (laughs) I just am not. And and I feel that like, I just didn't ever like those stickers, like kind of didn't ever stick for me. Like, I just Mm -hmm. always felt like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel enough for my job. I'm not, I I just, that never worked for me. And so, and that is really where I have found so much hope in faith again. Now I walked through that season of doubt, but have found that this really is the place that gives me hope because, because of God and, and being a created being, there is great hope that there's a plan that, that while I might feel helpless in this, he is not. And while I might feel unworthy, he has said, I am worthy. And while I might feel unlovable, he has said, you're worth dying for. So I think what it looks like to find truth, but you have to find what is true and, and fight these thoughts with it. Because otherwise I think we live without a foundation. You know, it's like, we're just, you know, I think of the, the, you know, being my, my husband <laughs> rented this boat. We were in, um, in Greece and our kids were at summer camp. And so we snuck away and really far away and <laughs> we 
out at the ocean in this little bitty boat, and we weren't supposed to take it out to sea. We did not know that. He did not know that. We were supposed to keep it in the little cove. And we get out at sea, and literally this boat has got water coming into it. Like we are being tossed everywhere and is going to go down. And I think that's what we are going to keep feeling in the midst of, of difficult times if there's not something that grounds us, something that protects us, something bigger than kind of our little, you know, boat that we try to assemble. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you said that. And, and I, I feel like there, there is helpful, like there are things that are helpful in the self-help world, but I agree that like, just trying to slap on, like you're feeling something so deep and so intense, like I'm unlovable. And then trying to convince yourself that you're wrong is like, I, I've just never been able to do it if I'm the one trying to tell myself, no, but you are. Um, cause it's like at that point, I kind of don't trust my own voice. You know, if I don't think I'm lovable, then generally I don't feel very trustworthy either. Like I'm not, I'm not really taking my own advice at the moment. Um, mm. but having God who is so much bigger than us, who is the one who yeah. created us yes. say, actually, like this is what I say. Then we have to think a lot of ourselves to go, well, God, I think my opinion is better than yours. You know, like there's a smallness to that, to being like, oh, okay, I think I'm probably going to take your word for it because in that, I, think in you're that, I mean, that really is a just about my favorite thing about about God <laughs> is that it's like, oh, I don't really want to be the boss. Like, I really, I really yeah. don't want to. Like, I don't want my thought life to be the definition of who I am and how the world works. Like it just, it, it's so broken and it feels like it keeps like that boat. It just gets tossed around everywhere. It's not yeah. very solid. And so, yeah, I do. I love how you're saying it. I do think that that's one of my favorite things is just knowing, you know what, if there is a God and a creator, then what he says really gets to trump my brain. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a part. Um, and I, I don't have my my Bible opened to the right spot. It'll take me a minute to find it. But um, it's like basically the last couple chapters of Job. And like Job is a rough book. That's like a conversation for another day. But the very end, God is talking to Job. And it is my one of my favorite parts of scripture because it's basically God just like putting Job in his place. And for cha- like two chapters or more than that, God says like, are you the one who created the stars? Are you the one that tells the ocean like where to end and where to begin? Are you the one that made like the heavens? Are you the one that made the earth? And I mean, he's really specific about it and just basically goes through all the things that God is in charge of and God has made that Job has has had nothing to do with. And it's basically God in just the most poetic, beautiful, and like I don't, it feels like a little sassy to me, which I kind of love way just telling Job, like I'm big, you're small. Don't forget that. And that's the most loving thing he could do for us because it just reminds us that like, thank God we are not God and he is. And it's just one of my favorite parts of scripture. Mm. And I think, oh, I love it. And I think that, you know, what, what Job was going through there too, was a doubt, a doubting yeah. time. And I think, I think that for, for me, where this became war is if my faith was gone, it was going to cause everything else to crumble, right? Like I could, I could reasonably be shut down, like, and it was shutting me down. And I think that's where, you know, I relate to Job is just, even though it was in the middle of the night and no, it wasn't some terrible circumstance, like burying my child, but, but it, it still took what I felt like was my foundation and what was 
holding me together and it shook it all. And, and I think that's where Job was in that season was just, is this true? Yeah. Are you, um, are you good? What did I do wrong? Like just asking those big questions. And I, oh, it's so good to know, Hey, there's a boss. (laughs) It's true. He's good. And, and I think for me that healing when that on the other side of that, my faith was stronger. And so for anybody listening that feels like, you know what, I'm kind of doubting. I don't know what I believe do the work because I do think as I did the work, my faith in God really grew. Like it wasn't, it didn't shrink. It grew. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it, it went through a, a valley, it was, it actually built a lot stronger. I love that. I love that. Um, so Jenny, when we're talking about our toxic thoughts, these negative thoughts, like I know that some of them come from external things. Like we turn on the news and our entire world has shut down and is going through something major. Like that's, that's one thing, but where do some of these ideas about like being unlovable and being helpless and, and just all of the things that wake us up in the middle of the night, where do those come from? Yeah. So, I mean, I think what we've got to realize is every human is, is feeling them. This is not unique to certain people. I think we're all, you know, it helped me to kind of do the work and realize that psychiatry 101, that those lies, like they're not just in my brain, they're, they're in a lot of other people's too. And, and so I think, it is, it is more human than not to wrestle with these things. And, and I think we've just got to be honest about them and start to start to work through them. But I think they, they are part of what, for me, they're part of what led me to God, right? Of these big external questions that, that they're not all bad. Am I, um, do I have purpose? You know, am I unlovable? Am I able to do, you know, the things that I feel like God has called me to do? And, and I would say um, that, you know, I think sometimes we can avoid them because they're negative emotions and think they're, they're so, you know, just run from them almost and not ever deal with them. And, and so it's interesting, like the process of pulling them up and, and really seeing um, them for yourself and go, gosh, I do worry more than I realized. In fact, the science would tell you um, 80, oh, let's, let me get this right. 85% of our thoughts are negative. 95% of our thoughts are repetitive from the day before and 8,000 to 60,000 thoughts are happening in your mind on a given day. So that means, you know, that's a lot. Let's say you're in the 30,000. Let's just take the average range. You're looking at, you know, 25,000 negative thoughts in a day, you know, that's oh, just, that's on the low end. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable, like how all of us are, fighting these negative thoughts and rather, you know, I think what our tendency is, is just, just push it away or not give it attention. But the problem is you are giving it attention. Even if you're not giving it attention, you're, you're giving it attention and it's affecting you. It's building pathways in your mind and your brain. It's affecting you physically, neurologically, it's affecting you. And then it's affecting you emotionally. And of course it's affecting you relationally because of all that. So I think, you know, I, I think where it comes from is, is all different for every one of us. I mean, where did you start believing whatever, when you, when you write down all your worries and thoughts and you kind of get to the big lie that you're believing, what is the, you know, place that you first remember believing that in your life? And, Mm -hmm. and for me, it was like around the age of 12 and it was somebody that I really respected that, you know, mine is that I don't feel worthy. And so 
when they begin to question things about me, I remember my whole personality. Like I can see a change in my personality about 12 years old where I really got insecure and believed that lie. And I know everybody at 12 kind of gets insecure, but I can point to where I picked it up, you know? Yeah. And so I think, I think we all, it, it comes from different places for all of us, but and and, you know, culture's going to feed it too. Yeah. And, and I think there, you know, if there's a God, there's an enemy. And I think the enemy feeds it for me as well. And, and then I'll just feed it myself because I won't, I won't watch or guard my inputs. I will receive lies and negativity faster than I receive compliments and encouragement. And so we, we really do have to see and look at our lives and go, how am I kind of contributing to this pathway that I'm on right now? Yeah. Hey friends, I wanted to take a quick pause from my conversation with Jenny to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor this week is Warby Parker. I love this company. If you haven't heard of Warby Parker, they are an eyewear company that's dedicated to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores at a revolutionary price point. And truly, that's exactly what they do. They have both glasses and sunglasses, I have both, exams and contacts. Their glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses, which is amazing. They have sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses also available. And all their lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coating, which is perfect if you're like me and are constantly dropping your sunglasses. Oh, and speaking of my sunglasses, if you guys have ever seen me over on Instagram wearing those gold aviators, those are totally from Warby Parker and they are my favorites. So as you can tell, I'm a big fan of this company, but it's not just because their glasses are affordable, high quality, and stylish. One of the biggest reasons I love them is because with every pair of glasses you buy, Warby Parker distributes a pair to someone in need. Did you guys know that almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses? That means that a huge percentage of the global population has a hard time learning and working because they can't see. But Warby Parker believes that everyone has the right to see and they're making that happen one pair at a time. So here's the other reason I love them. Because buying a pair of Warbies is so easy and it's also really fun. I don't know about you guys, but I have the hardest time making a decision on the spot. If I'm going to buy a pair of jeans, I feel like I have to buy five, take them home, try them on for an hour, walk around with them, see how they look with everything else I own, and really give them a try before I'm ready to commit. And then I have to go return them. I'm sure department stores love me. But with Warby, they're all about this. Warby Parker has a free home try-on program. You get to order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days, and you get to do it for free. Shipping is free and they include a prepaid shipping label so you can send it back super easily. Also, there's no obligation to buy any of them. If they don't work, no problem. I did my latest home try-on a few months ago and I loved it because I really got to try them out, see them in different lighting, try them on with different outfits, and get second opinions from my girlfriends. And I love the pair I ended up with. Guys, if you're looking for a new pair of glasses or a new pair of sunglasses, try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Again, you can order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. They ship for free and they include a prepaid return label so it's super easy. To try on five pairs of glasses at home for free, all you have to do is head to warbyparker.com slash girlsnight. Again, that's warbyparker.com slash girlsnight. Thank you so much to Warby Parker for making my favorite glasses ever and for sponsoring our girls' nights. We just love having you. Okay. Now, without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Jenny. So you said like it affects 
us personally. It affects our health. It affects our relationships. Can you walk that out for us a little bit? Because I think that sometimes, I don't know, we're really used to to talking to ourselves this way. We're really used to believing things, these things. And it's a lot of work, which we'll talk about in a minute, to like undo them and to fight back against them. And so before we talk about how we fight back against them, why? how does this like show up in our daily lives and in our relationships and in our health? Okay. So I'll give you an example for, you know, recently I woke up and I reached for my phone first, which a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. And I started scrolling Instagram and I got an email while I was scrolling Instagram and it was edits for a project I was working on. Actually, th- this project, <laughs> get out of your head. And and I read and I saw like her general comments and I sank because her job was to make it better, you know? Right. And I just sank. And then I'm still on Instagram scrolling or go back to Instagram and I'm just looking at all these people doing all these awesome things. And I'm just thinking what, like, I am such a fraud. I can't even believe, why did I even jump into this? Why did I think I could do this? You know, I'm just completely paralyzed. So it's been like 15 minutes of that. And my husband walks in and he's in a great mood and I snap at him (laughs) and he has no reason I mean, there's no reason for me. I don't even remember what I snapped at him about, but I'm cranky and I, I just, and so I've literally in 15 minutes, I've completely criticized my work and wanted to quit. Mm-hmm. I have snapped at my husband and now we're in a little bit of a fight because of my mood and where I, you know, how I started my morning. And so, you know, what typically would have happened is I would have been, I mean, it just would have been a bad day. Like I almost would have been a wash and it maybe would have been a bad week, but instead I got up that morning and I was working on this. So I was like, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity. <laughs> like, how am I going <laughs> to apply this? And so I get up, I, I shower, I need to go work on these edits now that have come back to me. And I called a friend because I couldn't get out of my funk. It was getting worse and worse. It was spiraling. You know, that's what we call it in the book is it's just, it's like a dark, twisty thing that just keeps going. And I was doing it and I could not pull myself out. Now, sometimes you can notice like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm noticing my thoughts and you can interrupt it and just say, nope, I'm not gonna go here and like redirect. This was not one of those days. I was was driving to go work, but I was, I mean, I was all but, you know, not having a panic attack. Like I just, I was so vulnerable. I was so discouraged. I was so anxious. And so this was one of those times that I just needed to call, phone a friend, you know, yes. <laughs> I called my friend Callie and I just said, Hey, here's where I am. And, and we processed it together and she fought for me. And, and, and I can't even emphasize how powerful it is to fight for each other. We have some days you cannot fight for yourself. There are some days that you just, you're not going to be able to to do it. And so anyway, I just, I, I think that there is a, a discipline to, to quickly recognizing why we feel the way we feel and quickly letting people in when needed. Now, sometimes again, if we did that, every emotion and every thought that would be, you know, that'd be a crazy person, <laughs> but but to do it when we, when we can't pull ourselves out. Right. And we can't self-regulate basically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think we need those people to fight for us. I've seen this in in so many ways throughout my life because I insecurity and identity is something that I mean, I think it feels to me like insecurity has been my Achilles heel for my whole life, or it was for for most of my life. And I mean, it came from so many different places and it showed up in so many different ways. And so it was one of the first things that God really started to work on me about. And actually, Jenny, everything you're talking about, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're putting words to the process that God took me through, which is so cool. Um, But I just can't I mean, I can't imagine it because I got to see it for, you know, 20, however many years, but like my life would be so different today if all of my toxic thoughts and all of the things I believe to be true about myself and all the things like random people told me were true about me that I started believing. If I had never replaced those things with what God says is true, I mean, I, I don't think I, I wouldn't be married because I wouldn't have had the confidence to, to go on a date with my husband because if you feel like you're totally unworthy of love, it is so, how do you put yourself out there? You know, how do you, how do you get into a space where you could even go on a date with someone? And same with, you know, our careers or the impact we're, we're, you know, we were created to make in the world. If we feel totally unworthy and we're so convinced of that, then we will never apply for that job. We'll never take the risk. Um, and you are nailing it because this is why this book for me wasn't just like, hey, master your thoughts. It was war. It was war. And what was on the line was our lives, our yeah. livelihoods, yeah. our joy, our relationships. I felt like everything was on the line when I actually did the work of this. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is something that every single human has got to go to war with because yeah. we have just been letting our thoughts control everything and we're not getting healthy and we're not being the boss of our own minds and we're not therefore growing in maturity and health. And so, yes, it is sabotaging everything. And let's say you do, um, you are, and everybody is in relationships where, you know, you go in unhealthy because we all do, right? Like nobody masters, you know, emotional health and then you get married. Like, right, right. You usually like bring all the baggage. And so, so you know, well, we got to know how to handle that and, or we can't have healthy relationships. we got to, you're exactly right. It's, it's everything you're saying. That's something we talk about a lot in my community is like, you know, how, for however long we have before we get married, you know, however long this time of singleness is, um, how, how emotionally healthy can we get? Because we're always going to walk in with something, but the less we, the more we can drop along the way, the better. Um, it just, the healthier we are, the healthier every single part of our lives is, um, especially our relationships. I just found this quote. It's from, I was, I remembered the quote, but I couldn't remember who it was by, but it's Henry Ford. And he says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And like this journey showed me that in this whole new way, because truly it's not that someone else wouldn't necessarily give you a job if you feel unworthy, although that might happen, but like, you're not going to even apply. So you take yourself out of the running if you don't think you deserve to be there and therefore you're not in the running. So nothing can like that good thing can't happen. Yeah. So good. Okay. So now that like, gosh, what do we, what do we do with this? Like, when, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, yeah. when a toxic thought pops into our head, like what, what's the first thing we should do? Like, I, I, and I guess backing up a little bit, how do we start to notice if we have an average of 30,000 thoughts in our head every day, like how do we start to track them and write them down without that taking over 
Like, I don't even think I can write down 30,000 thoughts in one day, you know? <laughs> right. Okay. So let's, let's make it way simpler. Um, right. I usually have people do it for about five minutes and they can already see their theme. So, so you got to just do it long enough to where you really see where one is cathartic. You cannot believe how many people, cause I'll do this a lot of times when I'm working with groups in a room and you cannot believe how long they'll go. They, they would sit there and do it all day. Men too. Like they'll just sit there. It's like, gosh, I've never noticed all these things. And I think it feels helpful to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, in writing. And, and so do it as long as it feels helpful and till you see and notice that theme. And then you go to work with that theme. And, and what I want to say though, is the number one tool that I've taken from this, from my work and research, both in the Bible and in science is that we are given a choice. Like God has given us power over our minds. And that one thought, I remember, um, reading the verse, take every thought captive in, uh, in the Bible, it's in Corinthians. And I remember reading it after I'd done the work in the science. And I was like, I think I have 60,000. I'm on the high end, you know, like I have the most <laughs> thoughts. And I think I have 60,000 or more thoughts every day. And I'm supposed to take every one of them captive. Like that is impossible. Yeah. And so I was totally overwhelmed by it and realized in the research, like, what if we just took one thought captive, one thought? Could I do that? I could do that. And so the thought I challenge everybody to take captive when they're spiraling, to one, notice when you're spiraling, notice what it is you are spiraling about, and then two, to interrupt the spiral with, I have a choice. And I cannot tell you, I told you that story about Instagram and that day um, where I really got in a pretty bad funk. I I did pull up out of that after an hour, which is impressive. What could have been a day or a week was an hour. Yeah. But typically, I doesn't even get as far as that. Typically, like right now, when I'm watching CNN and I get off, like how I handle that is I immediately pray and I interrupt it with, I have a choice. I don't have to go down this. And I give it to God and I'm like, God, I am helpless, but you are not. And I'm going to trust you for today. And I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to try to carry the whole wide world. I cannot carry a potential 30% unemployed people, some of which I lead and know, you know, so I can't carry all of that, but I can pray and I can give it to you. And I can take care of my neighbors right now, take care of my kids, take care of the people I know need me and, and help who I can help. And so I think getting things back into a perspective of what can I do, um, rather than what I can't do Mm -hmm. and, and recognizing, you know, I, I really don't have to keep living in fear. That is, that is a choice that I'm making or not making. And, and I'm going to choose to not live in fear. Now I'm not, again, let me be really clear. I'm not talking about, about mental illness and diagnosed anxiety. That's chemical. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our minds on a given day and the typical spirals we get into. I still think if you're listening and that is you and you're diagnosed, you know, with anxiety, that this helps, right? It's yeah. it's that it's exactly what you said about medicine. That's what my husband would say too. What medicine did was it got him to the surface where he could breathe yes. and start to swim. But he still had yes. to learn to swim. Like he had yes. to learn to think well and learn to bring in community and learn to process his hurt. Like he had to do, but he couldn't even at the bottom of the lake, you know, he couldn't get up to the top without that. So that's the um, perfect way of putting yeah. it. Yes. Yes, exactly that. Well, I think I think that this is, I hope what everybody leaves with is super encouraged that one, that they're not alone, that this is something that 
everyone is processing and wrestling with. And specifically in this time that you know you're not alone. I mean, all of us are having anxious thoughts most of the day. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we, we're all afraid of, of we've, we've just had a catastrophic event happen across the earth. And, and you can't, you know, just be okay. I, I read um, a, a message from Max Lucado online where he said, <laughs> it was so sweet. He said, have a good cry. And I thought it would say after that, <laughs> And then, you know, get up and, and, and go about the work of the kingdom or something. Yeah. And it said, it didn't say that. It said, have a good cry. And it said, this is genuinely hard. And Jesus, even Jesus would get away and weep and, and pray. And I was like, oh, like he didn't even have a butt. <laughs> there was fun. no butt. There was, there were no bootstraps that we were supposed to start yes. pulling on. Yes. I was like, I needed to hear that. I needed to cry. I, I just needed to cry. And, and I think it's okay that we experience emotion and it's not negative. I I think we think of sadness and anger and resentment and even fear as all negative when the truth is they're gifts from God. Like fear is a protective device that God gave us. Sadness is the, you know, is the evidence that we care. Uh, I mean, it's just, these are not, these are God given emotions. And so we can't just push them all away. We've got to learn that God has given them to us to help us understand the world and to connect with people and to to make sense of things. And and when we can't make sense of them, to have a way to express that despair. And so I think right now, if there's one thing I hope people feel is not to like, oh, never be afraid or or you know, just shift out of, you know, every negative thought. It's it's to expect those negative thoughts to come, but don't let them master you. Like, yes, have your cry and all those things. Just know that those things, we're not defeated, you know? And I think that's that's the thing I needed to hear is that those thoughts weren't true. First of all, there is a God. And my my fear of death doesn't have to continue. There is truth and there is hope, even in the midst of despair, but being sad about what's sad and being and struggling with um, the realities and the circumstances we're all facing, that is just part of being human. And, and we're not in opposition to God's will when we go through grief and when we go through fear, that that, that is um, part of the experience and part of the things that God uses to draw us to Him. And my husband found a book when he was walking through his depression that he kept beside his bed. It was a really short book by David Murray called Christians. I think it's called Christians get sad too, Hmm. or Christians get depressed too. And it was just so helpful to him because I think he'd had a worldview that was different than that. And so he kept thinking I wasn't, he was in sin, like he had done something wrong. And I think what he needed and what he realized was, no, this is, you know, this is a valley that I've got to walk through and that God has me in. And I've just, you know, and it's not necessarily something I did, you know? And, and I think, um, I think that's helpful, especially in this moment where negative thoughts are, are going to be part of our day. We can't, we don't need to feel ashamed about that. That's, that's part of our human experience right now, but we also don't have to be defined by them and allow them to get all the victory and traction in our minds. Yeah. 
I know that when God was walking me through like the hardest part of this for me, like just my negative thoughts and specifically my negative thoughts about myself, it started to get better. One, the more I got to know him and the more I got to know his word, because it's hard to like refute a lie with the truth when you don't totally know the truth. And so if anyone's sitting here just feeling like, I don't know what I would say next. Like I'm still figuring out what is tr- I, what God says to be true about himself. Like the more we do this and the more we get to know him, the more almost like ammunition we'll have to fight back. And if you guys haven't, the episode that's airing right before this one is all about how to study the Bible in like the most basic terms. So if anyone feels overwhelmed by studying scripture, that episode is for you. And we talk about it a lot. But the other thing is, Jenny, I know for me, the more I practice this, like the more I started recognizing my thoughts and stopping them and like correcting, like correcting them, like almost like, no, 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 wait, that's not what God says. You know, that's not true. And saying what was true at first, it felt really awkward and like really clumsy, but it started to get easier. And now it's more rare for me to say something mean about myself than it is for me to say something kind about myself. Like, I Mm. speak to myself kindly almost as a reflex. And I mean, this has been like a decade in the making, but I know that there's some sort of science thing about pathways and you kind of mentioned it, but I know you've done so much research on this. So can you talk to us like about carving new pathways? That's the only thing I know about it. I don't know any of the science. Sure. Sure. So what you just described too, I want to tell everybody, if you go to JennyAllen.com, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-L-L-E-N.com, I've got something at the very top of my website. It says Anxious Thoughts Guide. And it's actually everything we've been talking about. You don't even you know, have to find all of it's in the book, but you don't even have to, this is free. And it, it takes you through that mind map and it takes you through what you just said, which is is what is true. And it, it's got verses and scriptures. Oh, it it yes. kind of gives you like a little packet to kind of work through an anxious thought. And okay, you guys, we're going to have that in the show notes because I'm downloading it immediately. <laughs> yeah, it'll be super in the show helpful. Notes. Yes. It's super helpful. Okay. So that first, and then, and then the next thing is just, we're talking about lies that are so fundamental to who we are. It feels like, how can you like slap a verse on and, and fix that, you know, but but I will say this, what you're saying is right, that, okay, so you want me to really geek out? You asked me for the science. Let me yeah, do the science. geek out. We're ready for it. So, okay, everybody's heard of neurons. Well, every the neurons in our brains are a physical thing. They're like little cells. And every single little cell, every neuron has a brain within it. It has like a boss. And that boss is called a microtubule that kind of informs that cell how to move, work, where to build, where to go. That. That's in your brain. And that microtubule, when you think a thought, a thought, a singular thought, negative or positive, that microtubule tells the neuron to go to a place and to build around that thought. So negative or positive, it's building, uh, think like Legos and like a little bitty mini city in your brain. Okay. Okay. So that's just one thought. So every thought you think your neurons are building like a little city (laughs) around that thought. So Guess how long it takes from the moment you think a thought till that little bitty city physically exists in your brain. Oh my God. It's got to be seconds. It's probably less than, it's going to blow my mind. So yeah. No, it's going to blow your mind in the opposite. It's 10 minutes. Wait, what? Yes. 
So from the time you think a thought till the time that little city exists in your brain, that's the repercussions. That's where I started realizing in the research, our thoughts are a way bigger deal than we make them. Because your brain is sitting there working around that negative thought. Like when you feel, when I wake up and I say, and I say to myself, I am worthless and I do not deserve to be doing what I do. That thought, and then when you speak it, it even gives it more power because it's literally like informing your brain. It's like re rehearsing it kind of. So the more you dwell, I mean, speak it like to yourself, like just say it out loud, like I'm worthless and you don't get the truth spoken back to you. So what we've got to do is one, it's incredibly discouraging because if you think back to the statistics that we're thinking 85% negative things, then we haven't just built cities. We've built negative physical empires in our brain. Like it is no wonder that mental illness is rampant because we have let this just go on in our brains and it has a physical toll. So the physical toll of the negativity over and over again is that it builds empires in our brains around these thoughts that are toxic. And so that's just like brain science 101, okay? <laughs> and 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 so it's scary except that the same is true in the positive. So if we start putting in truth and that's why I'm such a believer in scripture being a part of this poor and community and life-giving friends that will speak good over us, right? Yes. Um, not negative things because you can, friends can have the opposite reaction too in our lives. But if we're if we're choosing like positive things that are truthful, and you know, in Philippians it says, uh, Paul says, "Think on what is lovely, what is beautiful, what is true, what is noble." Uh, that those words are also, you know, I get chills every time I I think about that verse because they're just you know, it's, it's like the best of us, right? The best of the world, the best of what we could think about and do, which, you know, ultimately for me is God's truth. And so when you're putting that in, it's rebuilding your brain. It's putting in truth and goodness and beauty and no, nobility that is, that's steadfast in it and your brain starts to reshape around it. So just in 10 minutes, you can kind of sabotage your brain can also redeem it in 10 minutes and and start to build those new pathways. And it's absolutely possible. When I go back to that 18 months and and how I said in it, it of course over time grew. So it went from 3 a.m. to the to the daytime, right? Like I started to have those fears uh consistently throughout yeah. the day, which is finally when I started talking about it. But so it grew throughout that 18 months. And I would say after I shared about it out loud, it was still about six weeks of of just really doing the work of, of sharing, of reading God's word and memorizing a lot of truth, of fasting, of praying, of, you know, bringing in my community to help fight for me. That really took about six weeks before I saw a lot of freedom. So I just want to be realistic. Like there are some times that you can stop a thought pattern because in your day, right. And it's going to help over time if you keep doing that. But some things you've been believing for so long, it just takes more work and more time. That makes sense. The thing I'm actually really encouraged by the fact that you said 10 minutes, because it was like, if a thought, if we're having that many thoughts in the day and we're trying to catch, like, it's like you, I felt like, what if you have to catch them right away? Otherwise they've like done some permanent damage, but it's like, okay, 10 minutes, that gives me a minute to, to stop and to recognize the thought. And then to like, if the path is a little longer, then I get to, like, there's a little bit more time to change course. And I really, I really like that. That for some reason, that makes it feel more doable to me. It does. And then you can notice it and be like, okay, and you have to, I hope everybody leaves really hopeful that yes, we can change this. Like there's a ton of hope 
for our minds. I mean, the research is unbelievable. What we've learned in the last 20 years about the brain is more than the last 2000. And all of the research keeps going in the same direction, which is absolutely biblical too, which is that we can change our brains. And and for years, decades of science, they were believing you couldn't, that your brain was kind of the brain you were born with. If you have mental illness, you're gonna have it forever. Like just if you, you know, have a stroke, you're not gonna recover. Like just all of this negative, you know, belief that that our brains weren't as pliable as they actually are. So the science and of course it helps when when um who I believe built our brain, which is um God, then he says, hey, you can change your brains. It's it's incredibly hopeful. Jenny, what does life look like? To give sort of the before and after, what does life look like for you now in like now that you've been doing this for a while? Like what could what do we have to look forward to? Mm, yeah. You know, I think one, I think the biggest the 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 stories I've heard from the book, and the book's been out for about eight weeks are absolutely supernatural. And I don't have another word for it. People's minds have been set free. So that is probably my most exciting hope is that this is possible to really feel like, oh my gosh. I I think the wake-up call is that I didn't realize how much attack I was under, how long I'd set in negative thoughts and never even noticed. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the analogy I use in the book is just like the the frog boiling. Like it's just the, the heat's been turned up and we don't even notice. And all of a sudden we're stew, you know, it's like <laughs> this, this has happened and we aren't, we haven't even been aware. And so that just the lights coming on for people that, oh my gosh, I've never even noticed how negative I am in my mind. Because a lot of us have learned how to not be negative in our words and not, you know, so we'll control all our behaviors and our words, but we live with ourselves. And, and we're at home and conversing in our minds all the time. That's, that's the most, you're never with anyone more than you are with yourself. And so let's have a place of peace and respite that's true and loving and kind. Like that's, that's a sad way to live. So my hope is that people would be set free and they would find truth and they would find hope and they would find peace. And I think that changes everything. It really does. I love that you said that, like a place to be a place that's full of peace and, and, I always pictured for the longest time the inside of my mind, like the walls of my bedroom or something. And like growing up, I'm sure you were the same. Like I had posters and all kinds of things like taped up and pinned all over my, all over the walls of my room. And I think that for the longest time, the things that I had around the walls of my mind were, were not true. You know, they weren't encouraging. They weren't full of life. They weren't building me up. They were just like, usually shaming me or telling me I wasn't good enough in a million different ways. And now I feel like I live in this really like peaceful, joyful, encouraging place. Like it's the kind of place I like to come home to. And that's what the inside of my brain looks like. And it took a long time to get there, but it's totally possible. And I just, Mm -hmm. I know that for me, my life would not look anything like it does today if I hadn't done this work. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, the inside of my mind couldn't look the way that it used to and have my life look like it does today. All of that healing and all that freedom and all that belief of God's truth spilled out into my life. And it's like brought so much fruit and joy and beauty. And I know that that's true for you too. Yeah. I mean, that's the hope is, you know, I think the lie we tend to believe about this is that, that we are helpless, that there's nothing that can change. And and I've have had a lot of people say that that they picked up the book and they thought I thought this would just 
just like everything else, it just wouldn't help. And it did. And so my prayer is just that this would be helpful, that people would feel like there's handles to crawl out. There is not, we are not sitting here with a creator God that wants us to live in a pit. Like he wants, he wants us to live free and, and, and he's built our minds and community and people around us to help us do that. So it's just, what are those practices? And, and a lot of the book it's it's about those practices. And I love what you just said about the work. We cannot expect to live free without doing the work. It's not a magic wand that just waves and all of a sudden you're free. It's like, there's a real process to getting free. It's, it's looking at what we put in our minds. It's looking at how we're communi- you know, living in community with people around us. It's, it, there's so many layers to, to it. And, um, and yet they're, they're real tangible things we can do to build a different wallpaper. I love that analogy, girl. That was awesome. I love that. Denny, just as we're fl- finishing up today at the beginning, you were saying like, I'm going to take everyone by their shoulders and just like mama bear you. And, and I feel like I took the deepest breath when you said that I'm like, Oh my gosh, please do. Um, can you just pray for us just for the things that are going on in our world today and more the things that are going on in our mind? Yeah. So God, it is, it is scary times. We, we cannot deny that. And, and I have felt fear in the last few weeks. Um, in a deeper place, in a diff- deeper way than I have in a long time. And and I know so many people listening feel that same way. And so right now, God, I just pray you would feel um, so real to them, that everybody listening would just, even if they don't believe in you, that all of a sudden they would just, they would sense that that maybe you are real because you are. And, and I thank you that you are. And I thank you that we're not alone, that we have purpose. And because we were built and set on earth, <laughs> we were loved and we were purposed that this isn't a mistake. This isn't some cosmic, you know, joke that we're sitting here today alive, um, that there is a plan and a purpose and all of it is working together for your good and your will. And I believe that even in this dark, hard time right now that we're facing as a country and as a planet, that, um, that there is purpose that you have for us. And so God, I pray for the woman, God, that is listening, that is so afraid, that literally feels like she cannot turn off the fears about her financial future, about her kids, about her health, about her family's health. God, I just pray for that woman that is listening. I pray, God, that you would wrap her up. I pray she would know she is loved, that she would know, God, that you see her and that you have a plan for her and that you have purposes to prosper her. And God, I know that um, that your idea of that involves peace. It does. Like you promised that as we walk with you, that you um, will issue peace that surpasses our understanding, scripture says. And so would you do, and and God, I just pray if somebody's praying with us right now and they're like, I've never even prayed before. I pray that um, God, you would um, give them the words to pray to you after this is over too, just to help their unbelief to to just share with you, you know, I mean, so much of my prayer life is like, Hey, what do you think about that? Like, it's just me talking. And I just, I I mean, we just go through the day, like in relationship together. And I just pray that that would be true for everybody listening to that, that you wouldn't be a God that seems far off, but you would be a God who's walking through their day with them and discussing everything with them. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that, that we are loved. We know it, that we are worth dying for and that we are not helpless because of what he did on the cross. And I thank you that he, he made a way for us to, to walk with you daily. And I'm just so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jenny. Yes, so fun to be here. I loved it. 
Isn't Jenny amazing? I just loved that conversation. I am so glad I got to share it with you. Friends, that's it for today's episode. And actually, that's it for season eight. That was our last episode of the season. Isn't that crazy? I feel like it went by so fast. But don't worry, because we will be back in May for season nine, and we have so many amazing new episodes headed your way. But before we sign off for this season, I wanted to ask you guys a big favor. It's actually a small favor, but it's a really big deal to me. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean so much to me. So if you would take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. Friends, thank you so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you in May for Season 9.